You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection streaming video service, the Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Laura Celeste Cannon, host of the Fatal Femmes podcast, joins me today to discuss world travels on the Criterion Channel. Stay with us as we start surfing the Criterion Channel. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. My guest today is Laura Celeste Cannon, host of the Fatal Femmes podcast. Laura, thank you so much for coming back on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here and my first uh, podcast guest of the year. Yes, you are, and you are my first guest of uh, 2022. It's great to have you here. And uh, I had a great time chatting with you, uh, I think, in March of last year, I think it was. And um, really glad to have you on and uh, welcome back. I know that you are currently in, well, you're in Texas right now, but you're on a break from film school. Yes, um, I'm working on my master's degree in film history, theory and practice. Um, I'm studying at Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland. And yeah, I'm on Christmas break or winter break, I guess, whatever it's called um, at the moment. And I'll be heading back in um, about nine days to start my second semester. Well, that's fantastic. Why don't you share just a little bit about uh, what took you to Trinity and what was your draw toward going back to get your master's in film studies? Okay, so yeah, kind of a two-part thing. The first bit is I kind of always thought I would go to graduate school, but I did my undergraduate in theater, so mm. that's what I thought that I would end up doing is probably going for an acting program. But the idea of just going so deep into debt to be an actor when I'd probably end up waiting tables wasn't <laughs> um, a very appealing thought. So I just kind of put it off, put it off. And then over the years, I've been drawn more to film. And I'm really glad that I waited because I was able to find this program. And then the second part of the question, what took me to Ireland, is I really love to travel. When I was a kid, we mainly just did like, you know, U.S. road trip things, usually on going along with whatever business trip my dad would have. So like he'd be working and then my mom, my sister and I would explore, you know, Kansas City or, you know, some thrilling location like that. But we hosted a foreign exchange student from Switzerland, and that was my first overseas trip was to go visit him and his family. And it just like blew my mind. And I was like, no, no, I've got to see the world. And then in um, 2016, I did a 
backpacking trip through the UK and Ireland. I was there for two months and I just fell in love with Ireland. And it's, it's just as beautiful as everybody says it is. The people are super friendly there and Trinity is a gorgeous school and they have a really good film program. Mm. Um, it's small, but it's it's a really good one. And so I thought, eh, just let me apply, see what happens. And I got accepted for the 2020 school year, but with the pandemic and all that, they let me defer until this year. And then it looked like things were getting a little better. So I decided, you know what, let's do it. Let's go. And yeah. I'm really glad that I did. Oh, that's great. What are some of the things that you have found for yourself that uh, in this first bit of time that you've been there that have uh, really stood out to you uh, in the program and uh, that you've you've really latched on to in your your learning? One of the big things was film theory, mm. because, like I said, my um, my background is in theater and then most of my film knowledge is either self-taught or just talking to fellow film lovers. So I'd never really done like an academic look at film theory or anything like that. And that was one of my classes um, that I took this semester was critical approaches to cinema. And we started like way back at the beginning of cinema, looking at like, how did people perceive it and how they took the rules of like, classic art for painting and sculptures and tried to apply it to mm. cinema to prove that it actually is an art, which mm. cinema is an art. Filmmaking, filmmakers are artists, actors are artists. And then, you know, up to like modern day stuff and through the psychoanalysis period and looking at Hitchcock films and then looking at the theory of the male gaze that Laura Mulvey wrote in her essay in the 70s and like how that left out certain um, groups of people because it only looked at film theory through like a straight white middle-class viewpoint. And um, then we read articles by Bell Hooks who sadly just passed away mm -hmm. uh, last month, I think. And then looking at like how cultural memory is created through cinema because, you know, we can't remember everything that happens around an event. So somehow as a collective, we kind of remember certain things and then those get explored in our films. And it's just it's so interesting to me. And most of the readings I'd never done before because like I said, it, you know, mostly self-taught. So I didn't go seek out critical um, writings and theories because some of them are a little dry to read actually it helped a lot to have a class to discuss it with and somebody to help guide you through it because if I was reading yeah. it on my own I probably just would have been like yeah this is boring yeah yeah oh that sounds like a fantastic thing just the getting to do that deep dive into the the breadth of theoretical approaches to cinema sounds like such a a rich and fascinating way to look at the history of cinema as well. Yeah, it was so interesting. And then, of course, I saw a bunch of movies that I hadn't watched before because there was related viewing for each topic. And mm -hmm. 
most of them were on the Criterion channel. So oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> uh, it made it very easy to yeah. access most of the things. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, it sounds like uh, it's been a really great choice to to go back to school and that it's been uh, really rewarding so far. Yes, it has. I've learned a lot. And also the way I think about cinema is a little different now. And, you know, some of the things that we've learned in the different theories, it's now like, oh, I see that. Ah, I know where that comes from. Yeah. Um, so it's been fun. That's fantastic. That's great. And I'm guessing uh, that Fatal Femmes is a bit on a bit of a hold right now uh, while you are on another continent. Yes and no. We are putting out new episodes. They are slightly sporadic, but we we do have some things picked out for the coming year. And oh, we, will, we will still be releasing things. At most, it'll be once a month. I'm going to try to do it you know one a month but it there may be times when it we have to skip one but our last episode was our uh, episode on house from 1977 i believe and that was our um halloween episode oh fantastic yeah uh but we'll be having one come for january and definitely february because i've been able to record with my sister while we're both in the same place Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. So that you'll be, you've banked a couple episodes and they're, they're ready to be released. Yeah. That's great. Uh, could, do you have any teasers for people on uh, what you'll be talking about? Yes. So we're going to be looking at the movie Tragedy Girls, mm. which I, duh, let me look at the year real quick. It's, it's new-ish. I want to say 2015. And it's streaming on Hulu at the moment for those in the U.S. 2017. It's kind of in the vein of like freaky uh, kind of horror comedy type thing mm. about these two teenage girls who want to start like a true crime YouTube or podcast. Um, and they decide the best way to do that is to actually become serial killers themselves so that they have the inside scoop on everything that's happening. <laughs> so that, that one's a lot of fun. And then I know that sometime in the coming year, we're also going to be looking at mayor of East town because mm. that was just such a great show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. That'll be a really, I think that it sounds like you've got some really rich conversations planned for the year. And, uh, uh, I'm glad you're finding ways to continue recording, even with the the busy grad school schedule and uh, the constant or the the ocean between you and your sister. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna dive a little bit into the uh, the films that were uh, released in the month of January. Uh, it was a pretty you know, stacked month as as always. Just when you looked at the the list of the lineup, did you have any just initial reactions to the films that were coming out this month? Yes, there's, I mean, as always, quite a few things that I do want to watch that were just released. I think I mentioned to you last time we talked that I'd gotten more into Westerns lately because of my oh, yeah. 
grandma. So one of the ones that immediately popped up that I want to see is Johnny Guitar from mm. 1954, yeah. uh, a Western starring Joan Crawford. I'm like, yes, here for this. And then I also, Dragonwick is one that I'd been wanting to see for a while. And when I saw that was up there, I definitely added that to my queue right away. It stars Gene Tierney, Walter Hudson, and Vincent Price, um, for anyone who's not familiar with it. And it looks like it's kind of a gothic-y type romance thing. It says a simple Connecticut farm girl is recruited by a distant relative to be governess to his young daughter in his Hudson Valley mansion. So I'm pretty excited to watch that. Yeah, yeah. And then the one that I will recommend to anybody that I absolutely love, another Gene Tierney, is The Ghost in Mrs. Muir from 1947. Mm. I just love that movie so much. What What is it about Ghost in Mrs. Muir that really uh, just captures your your love and affection? You know, it was one of those that I watched when I was kind of not super young, but I think it was one of the first like kind of romancy movies that I watched. And I knew who Rex Harrison was, of course, because of like My Fair Lady and Dr. Mm. Doolittle and yeah. um, the whole idea of like the ghost and the gothic romance and the seaside cottage. And it's not it's not scary, but there's still that supernatural element to it. And I was, I loved like ghosts and stuff when I was a kid. They always scared me. I had terrible nightmares, but I still always watched like anything with a ghost that I could find. So I think that that might have been part of it. It was just endeared to my heart because it had that supernatural bit, but without being really scary or anything. And I've rewatched it a few times over the years since I've been older. And yeah, I still just really like the atmosphere that it creates and the story that it tells. Yeah. I find those kind of haunted love stories can be really, uh, really poignant and really beautiful. And yeah, I, I always, I always love things with just a little bit of magic and a little bit of mystery. And yeah, I, I find myself gravitating towards those films as well. Yeah, That's same. True. I I could see this uh, like kind of in the same vein as like bed knobs and broomsticks, which was another one that I really liked because you know there's yeah. is some magic, some romance, some um, yeah. like unexplained stuff, some fun. Yeah, I, I remember growing up loving that uh, the Disney films like uh, Blackbeard's Ghost and yes. things like that. Yeah, yeah. So no, this one uh, sounds like a great recommendation for for anyone, especially you know I feel like on cold, gloomy January nights when you're just kind of wanting to cuddle up with your partner by the fire and you watch something that's kind of romantic, right? Yeah, and it's not one of those that's you're gonna like ball your eyes out or anything. There's some touching bits, but it just leaves you very satisfied. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, and I have to say, as I looked over this list, uh, I was so just impressed by the the scope of films from the the French New Wave bundle, the the Sundance 92 bundle. I remember, you know, I'm I graduated high school in 95 and uh, I remember when so many of these films kind of hit the video store just a few years 
maybe a year or two later and kind of being really intrigued by uh, so many of those are, are exp exploring indie, indie film just in college and kind of digging through so many films like The Water Dance or Gas Food Lodging or My Brother or Brother's Keeper or, you know, all of these films were kind of part of my early kind of interest in uh, films outside of the mainstream that kind of led me into foreign film and classic film and all of that. So I mean, having this this really incredible bundle of of great indie films uh, from Sundance is is really remarkable. And I mean, this this month's bundles are just really incredible. I think uh, I really want to spotlight uh, anytime I get a chance to spotlight a Spike Lee film. I'm always excited about that. And uh, this was one that wasn't on there uh, in in their listing but it did show up in their press release and it's in the new this week or new this month listing and it's spike lee's get on the bus it's from Ooh, 1996 yeah it's one of his you know right in that that period where he was making about a film a year and it is about uh, a group of black men who are on a bus trip to attend the million man march in washington dc and uh, it's a cross-section of the Black experience. It's really conversations about what it what it meant at that time to be a Black man in America and all of the, the different struggles, the different attitudes, the different approaches to things like family and relationship and politics even. I, I just, I always really, I really respect Lee as a filmmaker, as someone who is engaging with ideas and having these characters uh, kind of verbally spar with one another. And I find this film really, really compelling. And a while ago, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, I did a deep dive into Spike Lee's filmography. And I just, I find him to be one of, one of our kind of most exciting and vibrant and just electrifying filmmakers who is continuing to make films today. And uh, I think that this is one that often gets overlooked in his filmography. And I'm really excited that Criterion Channel has it. And I think people really need to make sure to catch this while it's on there. Well, I just added it to my list, so I will be watching that. Thank you. Yes, you are. You are very, very welcome. Well, as I always like to say, Criterion giveth and Criterion taketh away. So we are losing titles. This isn't as painful a purge as December was, but we are losing quite a few films and some films that have been there for a while as well. I think the the hard ones are things like the uh, the Hitchcock for the Holidays set was only there for two months. Um, and so we're we're losing a lot of kind of major things there as well. But, it, you know, is there anything there that you're really trying to to catch anything that you've already caught that really kind of has stood out to you already? Anything like that? Well, I really want to watch Thelma from mm. 2017. It's a Norwegian supernatural thriller drama. The synopsis is says a sheltered young woman who discovers she has an inexplicable power that materializes when she feels desire for a female student at her university. I'd seen the poster for this one before and like, oh, I'll catch that sometime. But then when I 
saw it that it was leaving and I read the description again, it was like, okay, no, no, I got to watch this one before it goes away. Yeah. This is one that definitely is looks. I, I remember seeing trailers for it and it definitely is one that is, uh, looks really compelling. Yeah. That one I really want to see. And, um, Again, back to the Westerns, Five Card Stud <laughs> from 1968. I heard on another podcast is really good. And so when I saw that it was leaving, it was like, okay, got to catch that one this month too. Yeah. And did you have one to recommend? Oh, yes. Yes, I definitely do. And I, it's all about Gene Tierney for me right now, apparently, because <laughs> my recommendation is Laura, same name, which is half the reason I like it, but it's also one of my favorite noirs. And it stars Gene Tierney, Dana Andrews, and Vincent Price. And it's about a police detective who falls in love with a woman whose murder he's investigating. He becomes like obsessed with her portrait. And there's so many twists and turns in it. It is, it's so good. You know, it's one we have not covered on Fatal Films, and I'm not sure why, but we'll definitely have to do that in the next year or so. It's just a great noir. This is one that I have not seen yet. I've been kind of slowly digging into Otto Preminger's films, and uh, this is one I definitely need to to do, so maybe need to try to, to squeeze that into my viewing this month. Well, you're in for a treat when uh, you do get to it. What are some of the things that you really look for in a noir? Since, you know, you you host a podcast on genre and noir. That's a really good question. You know, there's a lot of similarities in some of them, but they can also be very drastically different. I like ones with unique characters. And Laura definitely has some very, like, standout characters in it. There's another one pick up on South Street that has Thelma Ritter in it and she is a great character in that one mm-hmm. which helps it stand out because a lot of the noir titles sometimes get mixed up in my head because they're like death in this place or the yeah. secret alley or dark something and I'm like wait did I see that one already and I read yeah. the description and I remember it but if there's really strong characters that I can go oh yeah so-and-so was in this one, so I remember that because of that. But also, you know, if it's a really compelling story, if it's something that's a little bit different, like you remember that, oh, this police officer was bad because of this thing, or, oh, it was the newspaper man that was going through this struggle. I really like those ones that kind of stand out a little bit. Like Nightmare Alley is another one that's kind of, like horror noir, mm-hmm. I think I'd say. And, you know, such a, so different than any other ones that you really remember it. Yeah, that's great. I, you know, I think I want to direct viewers to Be Gone's film, Long Day's Journey Into Night, which also could be noir adjacent Ooh. as well. This is a film about a man who is... He is on a search for a uh, a young woman, and again, the plot is really kind of incidental. Uh, as he goes to his the hometown that he left years and years ago, he is, sits down in a movie theater, and as he falls asleep, he enters this dream state that ends up 
kind of taking him through his life and his memories and encounters with the past. He's uh, searching again for his lost love. And it just, it becomes this really gorgeous meditation on loss and on memory, on what it is to feel haunted by the past. This is uh, one of the most immersive films, I think, that I have seen. When I saw it first, it finishing, it was like waking up from a dream itself. Uh, the final hour is what takes place in the the cinema. And so it it really does feel like you are meant to kind of enter into a dream state yourself. The The final hour is also kind of one long, unbroken take. If you see it, if you were to see it in theaters or see it on a... Uh, on a physical media disc, uh, there are it's a 3D presentation in that final that final hour as well. So it also becomes this kind of immersive experience there. But I don't think that is necessary for the the experience of just letting yourself giving yourself over to the images and giving yourself over to the the hypnotic imagery. And uh, I just think that the the film itself is is gorgeous. There are so many mysteries and echoes between the first and second half that you know the plot is incidental to the mood and the tone of the film. But I think this is just a, a really remarkable film that I hope people definitely check out. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's it's a mesmerizing film that I first saw it in in theaters well before the pandemic and uh it was a uh, a really gorgeous experience and I definitely think that this is one that when you watch it at home just you know turn off phones turn off distractions and just let yourself be carried off by the images yeah, see, I don't know that I would have gravitated towards that cuz I just would have assumed that it was some sort of like adaptation of Eugene O'Neill's play. And I was just kind of like, eh, but yeah. hearing you describe <laughs> it, it's like, no, no, I want to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty remarkable, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. I think this is one to definitely try to catch. I will say that uh, out of the the films that we have uh, mentioned, uh, Thelma if you're hearing this episode uh, after uh, the end of January, Thelma is available on Hulu and on some different VOD platforms. Five Card Stud and Laura are all available on different uh, VOD platforms. And then Long Day's Journey on Into Night is available on Canopy, which is uh, the one of the free library services as well. Nice. Thank uh, you for that. <laughs> yeah. So, so Laura, we also, you know, the, one of the main reasons, you know, back when we first talked about having you on the show, even before you were on last year, we talked about having you on to talk about world travels. And then I got sick and we did a just really truncated episode where we talked about new and expiring titles. But, you know, as, as I'm kind of re-entering with this new format, which is a slightly uh, more manageable for me uh, with my my health recovery and everything. Uh, and I'm starting to re bring back the themes and the, the thematic conversations about 
films on the channel. I I knew I wanted to to catch you while you were stateside because I feel like talking about world travels with you is more appropriate now than ever as you are <laughs> yeah. bouncing back and forth uh, across the globe right now. I, I'm really curious to talk to you about what is it about traveling and uh, films about travel that really pique your interest and that really get you excited about the the stories, about what happens within those narratives? I think it probably stems back to the fact that, so I've lived in Texas for the majority of my life, and there were all these places like you know, New York City or London or, you know, all over the world. And it Mm. was like, oh, I'll never get to those places. Mm. But I could go there with movies. You know, you can watch, uh, this one pops into my head because I watched it over Christmas, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And then I can be in New York with Kevin McAllister. So I think that's how it kind of started And then as I've gotten older, what I really love to do is if I'm going to a place, I will find movies that are filmed there, not just set there because sometimes they're not actually filmed there, and watch movies from that location because you can see the place, you can get a feel for the landscape. And then if it's if it's, you know, a different country, you can learn about the country that way. You can learn, you know, you can see customs or if you're watching like horror folk tales, you can get a feel of like what stories are told there. And I just really love it. It's like getting to know the place before you actually go to the place. Mm, Yeah. 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 I think that's a that's a really great thought about kind of beginning to understand a culture a little bit more by understanding their art. Yeah. By understanding the stories they tell by understanding what the, what are the things that they value and how they present themselves to the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. And then of course, if you're watching like older movies, then it's a time capsule because you see how, a place used to be that you will not get to experience because we're not in that time period. And it's just, it's so much fun and I I really love it. And then also during the pandemic, when it, when travel wasn't allowed, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but when we could not go anywhere at all, then we could travel through the movies and see things and connect with other places and people and, um, you know, also see some amazing actors that may be very famous in one country, but not in ours. And then all of a sudden we've found our new favorite performer or, you know, somebody that we want to follow their career. And it's just really amazing that film can do that for us. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I think something that always strikes me about films also that are about travel specifically Mm. or about people who are foreigners in another land it also if they're told well it also ends up revealing so much about that dislocation that removal from home ends up revealing so much about the character 
it ends up kind of forcing them to recontextualize themselves and it becomes a, a way for them to have to reckon with their own identity in a way that they wouldn't if they were in their same routine. And by yes. being dropped into a new context, they suddenly have to confront things that uh, the the everyday routine doesn't allow them to confront. Yeah. You know, there's very, like, inspirational films like that, like The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. But then there's other ones where people are more just like, it, it's not quite so sweet. Um, <laughs> but they all have value because it's it's the growth of a person. And that's what travel does, is it helps you grow. It helps you look outside what you know and see how other people live and maybe think about things in a way that you hadn't before. Yeah, 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 that's great. Well, what recommendation do you have for our listeners for a film about travel or a film that you would consider uh, that would fit into the same. I, I told you to interpret the ca- the category broadly. What recommendation do you have for our listeners at home for from something on the channel? So I have two. One is a little bit more dramatic and a bit heart wrenching. Um, Code unknown. I don't mm. know if you've seen this one or not. Yeah. It tells several different stories from. It's a group of people that are all like loosely connected just because they're in the same area at the same time. And then it shows like how they all got to that place. It's kind of like the movie Crash. This one is from 2000 and it's set in Paris. But one of the characters is from, uh, I believe it's Romania. And so you see her having to travel there and then back. And it's so beautiful, but like I said, it's also kind of heart-wrenching in some places because you see people of different classes. You see more wealthy people, you see very poor people, you see people in between, and just how their stories collide. It was, it was a very moving experience to watch this movie. And then part of the matinee collection is the movie Long Way North. It's Mm -hmm. an animated one, but it's about a young aristocratic girl that goes on an adventure to find out what happened to her grandfather. And basically she like travels to the Arctic to find out what happened to his expedition. And it's really great. So this is one you can watch with the whole family. Yeah, I think those are both great recommendations. I think they both they give some some different approaches to this idea. One, the 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 person coming into a, a new culture and the other the person going out to explore and to 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 discover and to to get answers and i think long way north i saw that when i was working at the seattle film festival it was part of their family films lineup and uh, i think it is a really surprisingly remarkable work of animation i think it's really incredible i'm glad that criterion's highlighting it yeah, even aside from it being, you know, a great story, the animation is just gorgeous. Yeah, this is one that I think definitely, if you do have kids, this is one that uh, I think is well worth catching with the kids. And if it do- if you don't have kids, this is one that is well worth catching just on your own, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't have kids and I love animated movies and definitely watched this one on my own. 
yeah definitely I'm going to recommend, uh, this is one that I've talked about on David Blakesley's Criterion Reflections podcast, and this is Masahiro Shinoda's Silence. It's an adaptation of the book by Shusako Indo, and the the book is, I think, one of my favorite novels ever. I think it's uh, just a really moving look at faith and at kind of getting beyond the shallow platitudes of faith. And I think that, uh, I, you know, I really loved Scorsese's adaptation of it. I think that this adaptation is also really strong. It's very different, but I think that this, this film is really, really harrowing. Uh, it's the story of two Jesuit priests who come to Japan during a time when Japan has outlawed uh, Christianity and they go to to proselytize to uh, to help the Christian communities that are there. They also are there to try to find out what happened to a priest who has they've lost contact with as well. And over the course of their time there you know they they go in I think trying to not be affected by the the country uh, to to not be affected by being in another country and over the course of the time the suffering of the people the the land itself you you see just how how much the 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 place itself transforms them and and the how much it it forces them to confront their faith, the inadequacies of the faith they have, the inadequacies of the the ways that their faith has prepared them to confront suffering. And uh, I think that, again, it's a gorgeous film about faith, but it's also a really, a really important film about what happens when you go to another land in another country with your own assumptions about the what you are going to do and how you are going to how you are going to overlay your values onto another culture and onto another place. And I think that uh, this is a a really, really powerful, really uh, gut-wrenching film uh, that raises uh, some really provocative questions. Wow. (laughs) That sounds really good. I think I might have to be in the right place to watch that one, but I, I yes. it is going on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it is. It's a it's a film that definitely you need you need to be in a good good mental space to to, <laughs> to explore. I think and ready to explore those those kind of weightier questions. It's rough, but I think it's it's really good, and I think that it makes a good several months later you know check out scorsese's version as well because i think that it makes for some rich comparisons oh wow okay thank you yeah so those are (laughs) those are our recommendations for uh for films that are on the channel that's uh code unknown long way north and silence so i think those are those are some good films that each take different tacks for the idea of uh, traveling and uprooting your life and, and heading to another country. Yeah, I think that's good. That gives us some, that gives people a really nice variety of ways to approach this, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, 
while we're doing this, I'd love to just hear, you know, we, we all use different streaming services and uh, use services that are not the Criterion channel as well. So I'm curious to know, uh, do you have a recommendation for a film about travel around another culture on a uh, streaming service not the Criterion channel? One of my favorite movies is called The Way, mm. and it was directed by Emilio Estevez and stars his dad. And it's about walking the Camino de Santiago. That is a great movie. I have some friends who have done that walk. I did it a cup. I did a week of it a few years ago, and it's wonderful. This movie is only renting right now, but you can get it on Apple and Google and fan uh, and Vudu. Yeah, I have heard really, really remarkable things about this film and it's really fun to see just how Emilio Estevez has become such a really talented director yeah he has it I think this was the first of his movies that I watched and it surprised me because I didn't realize he had made that transition but he is he's a very good director yeah yeah this is one that I know is one that I've needed to see uh you know I work for the Episcopal Church in in Western Washington, oh. and we we often have people who do the the Camino walk, and that's a big a big thing for for people in our in our diocese. And so, my bishop and his wife did that walk during his sabbatical, and uh, he sent me updates oh. to share out on our social media feeds pretty regularly. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. There's- also a really great documentary about it called Six Ways to Santiago, and I'm looking up where it's streaming. It follows three or four different people and their route. Yeah, that one's free on Canopy right now. Oh, nice. Uh, Walking the Camino, Six Ways to Santiago. So you get to see different perspectives, um, like in that one. There's a family that's doing it, which I actually did see a family with like two little kids and a stroller, you know, hiking up mm. through the mountains and stuff. You get to see single people, you get to see older people. So mm. it's it's a really nice way to like actually see what it's like for people. You know, I love the way it's a great movie, but it's not, you know, it's a little Hollywood version <laughs> of what it's like. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. I'll have to uh I'll have to put a link to uh to where to find this as well as the way uh, in the show notes. Cause I think this is a, this could be a really fun thing for people to to check out if they're interested in that type of thing. Uh, I think yeah. this makes a nice, a nice contrast to uh, silence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I think the film that I'm going to recommend is one that I just recently saw and uh, it just strikes me as a, a really great film about, travel even though it's not primarily the focus and uh, that's the lost daughter directed by maggie gyllenhaal it was uh, released on netflix the last day of uh, 2021 and this is a really really just fantastic film you know like emilio estevez uh, maggie gyllenhaal has made that transition into directing as well for a first feature film, this is just such a, an exquisitely crafted film. It's a really rich character study of a comparative literature professor who is vacationing by herself in Greece. 
and you know it it captures i think that what we were talking about earlier that sense of dislocation that happens when you're you're away by yourself and you know she has these these ideas of what this idyllic solo vacation should be like as she goes into her villa by herself you know she wants the air conditioning off she wants the windows open she wants the fresh air but it's also this there's the stifling heat and so the fruit bowl on her table the fruit rots and you know bugs begin to like you know come onto her pillows and the the perfect idol is ruined or is shattered the the quiet beach that she's doing work on is interrupted by loud brash neighbors that come and take over the beach and i think that when you have those those moments on vacation where things don't go as as perfect as you want (laughs) i think it forces you to kind of confront your own dissatisfaction with life it 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 also creates these spaces too where you begin to reflect on your your own life kind of where you are you can't just sit there and be content and happy in the sun when people are blaring music right next to you (laughs) and uh it it becomes a film about motherhood about the the burdens that are placed on women the a lot of the things that we don't talk about when it comes to motherhood and the the ways that mothers often repress and are forced to repress some of the the feelings that they may have and the the cost that takes on both the the mothers and the children it's a really great film there's just an unbearable tension throughout it really really rich uh really compelling film that uh, i cannot recommend highly enough that's one i've really wanted to see so i'm glad to hear that it is good (laughs) yes Yeah, and I, I keep hearing that the novel that it's based on by Elena Ferrante is also really, really good. So I, I typically read the adapt the novels that adapted screenplay uh, or that are up for best adapted screenplay as well. So I'll probably be trying to, to read that as well uh, if it gets nominated. But yeah, uh, this is this was a really good one. Excellent. Yeah. OK, definitely going to be checking that one out soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there we go. We've got uh, The Way, directed by Emilio Estevez, in, uh, which is available on your video on-demand services. And then there's uh, Walking the Camino, Six Ways to Santiago on Canopy, and The Lost Daughter, which is uh, available on Netflix. So I think those are some some good additional titles to catch if you're looking for some other films about world travels. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. This is always a pleasure. I am really glad I was able to catch you before you head back to Ireland and continue on your own world travels. So thank you. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And of course, as always, I now have more movies to watch, but that's the joy, (laughs) the joy of it. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, where can people find you online? So my personal stuff is Canon. That's canon with two N's, like the big gun. Uh, Laura C. And I'm on uh, Instagram, Twitter. My letterbox is Canon, And then Fatal Films, we're also on all the socials as well and the places where you get your podcasts. And our Twitter is Fatal underscore Fems. 
S-E-M-M-E-S. And like a, we're also on Instagram and Facebook. And our website is fatalfemspodcast.com. If you don't mind, though, I do want to let people know there's a really cool service um, that the Irish Film Institute ah. offers. I believe it's free. Um, they have some short films up on their archive player that are all directed by women. And oh, nice. Can- watch those from anywhere in the world. So I just kind of wanted to give a shout out to that because yeah. the only way I found out about it was by moving to Ireland. <laughs> yeah. What is the what is the service called? So the website is IFI Irish Film Institute Archive Player.ie. And yeah, just go there and you can watch they've got 36 uh, short films there that you can watch. Uh, ranging from 1980 to 2017. Oh, that's fantastic. That's really great. Yeah, I feel like uh, listeners of this podcast might appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Thank you again. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, definitely. You can find Criterion Channel Surfing at CriterionCast.com and our website, CinemaCocktail.com. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for Criterion Channel Surfing. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group or send us a message at CriterionChannelSurfing at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Josh Hornbeck. Our logo was designed by Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is a proud member of Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of high-quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at criterioncast.com and support the work of Criterion Cast at patreon.com/criterioncast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener-supported, so please consider donating to the show at patreon.com slash joshhornbeck. For just $5 a month, you get early access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show. And for $10 a month, you'll have the chance to give my guest and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon-only bonus episode. I'd like to thank this month's new Patreon supporter, Phil DeCane. Thank you so much for supporting the show, and thanks to all of our continuing supporters. Your support really does mean so much. On the next episode of Criterion Channel Surfing, my guest and I will sit down to discuss titles in the permanent streaming library. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Criterion Cast a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.